Hey everyone, thank you for joining us on another episode of the Young Codgers Podcast. Zach and I have an awesome episode on deck for y'all today, and our topic includes something that every man who is trying to grow in their masculine journey should be striving to do, and that is showing up in your marriage. On today's episode, Zach and I talk about what showing up in your marriage looks like, tailoring the way you show up to your spouse's needs as well as speaking their love language, how your hobbies and interests can help you show up better in your marriage, as well as some thoughts and feedback from mine and Zach's circle of men on how to best show up for your wife. Guys, I think you're really going to find it interesting how your hobbies and the things that you enjoy doing can actually help you show up better in your relationship with your spouse and really help the bond between you to grow so like i said i think y'all are really going to enjoy this episode and please share this with someone that you think needs to hear it and i hope y'all find value in this episode so that you can show up to your group of guys and challenge each other and push each other to show up better in your marriages all right y'all let's get into it zach what's up my man oh not a whole lot try not to drown today rain's coming down heavy yeah, I know it's been needed. You dodged the bullet on all the week, uh, all the rain last week when you're in uh, Montana, so or Wyoming rather. Yeah, we got a little bit of How rain way the there. It was good. Yeah, uh, a lot cooler than it is here in Arkansas. No humidity. Mm. Uh, yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah, it was. It was a nice little break from this drought we're going through. So yeah, but y'all doing anything fun? Yeah. We uh, hiked down a mountain and uh, nice. determined that was we took the wrong trail. But uh, <laughs> yeah, on the way up, we took a tram to the top and the tram operator said, oh, yeah, if you want to get down to the gondola and not walk all the way down the mountain, you can take this trail. It's a pretty easy trail. We get about oh, a quarter mile down the trail and it says this trail is now an intermediate trail. Oh, man, which means it's an advanced trail. Yeah. And uh, there was a little bit of scrambling to get down one section. Oh, man. And it was just kind of an old logging road. But huh. uh, besides that, we had a lot of good food. Uh, there you go. Like kayaking and didn't see a whole lot of wildlife, but that's all right. Because our luck, it would have been a bear. <laughs> but we were strapped yeah. to the teeth. So There you go. Had bear spray. Well, good, man. It's, yeah. Yeah, I got to have that bear spray and multiple pistols. Whatnot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So. You don't go into bear country unarmed, no doubt. No. no. Um, well, it's good to have you back on. It was, uh, hope everybody enjoyed our last episode last week with Sophie. And I think that was uh, a neat conversation, if I say so myself. So, uh, yeah, I good opportunity there. It. It was definitely a good first interview episode. So, yeah, appreciate her being on here and taking my spot for a week. And uh, yeah, from her, you know, it's a really fun format doing it that way. Of because, like, you and I know what we're going to talk about, and we, you know, we kind of create an outline and a and a topic. And while Sophie and I did do that, it was more of just like being able to talk to somebody that. Number one, I haven't talked to you frequently since Casey and I's wedding back in October. So it was good to just kind of catch up and, and have that conversation and everything. But 
yeah, we're definitely going to try to do that more often than not. Um, just cause I think it's a really good opportunity and kind of like going back to what we talked about on our first episode was having those, um, unique conversations with people and stuff. So hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, just a couple of notes as we get started here, be sure to follow us on Instagram at young codgers podcast, all lowercase, no spaces to stay up to date with everything that we have going on. And then general inquiries is info at youngcodgers.com. And guys, we'd really love to hear your guys' thoughts and feedback or any questions that you might have for us at, uh, you can do that at askcodgers at youngcodgers.com. Send us questions, thoughts, concerns, um, and we'll try to answer those on an upcoming episode. So, and then also guys, we ask you that, um, you know, since we aren't running ads right now, we don't have any sponsors or anything like that. Just the one thing that we ask of you guys for listening to the show is that you'd please just share this with someone who needs to hear it. And that really helps us grow the podcast and goes a long way in helping us get the word out there. So, um, on today's episode, we're going to talk about, like you heard in the intro, showing up in marriage. Um, I want to kind of preface this with the fact that, you know, I've been married for less than a year and Zach, y'all are going on what, almost two years now? Or is uh, it three? Two years and three months, I think. Yeah. So by all um, means, we're not, yeah, we're not coming at this from a expert point of view or that we have it all figured out or anything like that because you know zach and i are both still young in our marriages and things like that but we also try to spend time with a lot of people that have been married for you know 50 something years or 40 years or 20 years or 10 years you know you name it so we've learned a lot from other people we've learned a lot through reading books and studying these things. And so this is by all means, not a, we know more than you or that we've got it all figured out by any means. Cause we don't, but it's something that uh, we felt like is sort of these first foundational podcasts for what we are passionate about. And, and our mission here is that we needed to talk about this. So Um, we're going to talk about it and we're going to get into it. So Zach, why don't you kind of sum up, you know, kind of the, the things that we're going to be talking about here as far as showing up in marriage. All right. Yeah. So we're going to try to define that, um, like what is showing up in marriage and, uh, we asked some questions of the guys in our group, so we're going to hit on those towards the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're going to talk about how our hobbies or interests can help us show up better. So, yeah, uh, we're going to do our best to define it and give some tips on how to do it better. So, yeah, like that. Uh, unless you want to add anything else in there, Logan. No, man, take it away. Let's let's get into it. All right, so kind of to start this out, uh, showing up in marriage, these are in no particular order, but uh, 
doing what you say you're going to do uh, in your marriage. So if you make a promise doing that and then uh, mm-hmm. also not doing what you say you're not going to do. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, those go hand in hand for sure. Not going to air anything here, but we had some discussions the other night in our group about that exact thing of, you know, if you we make did. a promise that I'm not going to do X in this area of marriage to not do it. Um, so whether that's, uh, you know, hiding something from your spouse or, you know, throwing a temper tantrum or whatever the case may be, um, whether it's, uh, reasonable at the time, given the circumstance right. to be upset about something, um, just being consistent and, uh, trying to do what you promise and not do what you promise to not do. So, yeah. And I think that's really crucial, especially with the aspect of trust in a marriage. And I'm not even talking about, you know, guys and girls and, you know, I mean, that temptation is a conversation for another time. And, you know, we could spend and could spend and will spend, you know, an entire episode on that. So I'm not necessarily talking about, and this certainly factors into it, but just overall being able to trust your spouse, like, I think this is one of the biggest things that people miss in a marriage. And I know that I've certainly been guilty of this at times and will be again at some point of just, it's so comforting as a husband to know that when your wife says she's going to do something that, you know, it's going to get taken care of and vice versa. She's going to want to, take care of the things that you trust her to do when she trusts you that you're going to be showing up. And when you say you're going to do something, you say it once and she knows it's going to be taken care of. She's not going to have to nag you about it. She's not going to have to ask you multiple times is, um, what was it Zach in, and uh, it was Tony Evans, I believe, in Kingdom Man, where he talked about the, what was it, the three finger thing mm-hmm. of like. Where if he and, did that, that meant he, like, he's got like, this. Like, I've got this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, which, I don't know, was, to me, that was kind of like Boy Scout-esque of like the whole little three finger thing. But like, in, in all reality you know, that's how we should be handling and showing up in our marriages is, you know, when I say something, whether that's with my spouse, whether that's with my future children, whatever it is, is that when I say I'm going to do something, they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm going to do it. So I think that's really key in having that trust and maintaining that trust in a marriage is showing up and doing, doing what you're going to doing what you say you're going to do. And the inverse of that is if you say you're not going to do something and you've committed to your spouse to not let your temper get the best of you or to not put yourself in situations where, you know, you're going to be led towards temptation. 
don't do it. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, that was a good point. Um, back on the, like, if, if your spouse is nagging you to do something before they nag you, just take the initiative and try to do it. See what happens. Right. Right. That might be all it takes to lessen the nag. <laughs> mm hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think we've, you know, that's definitely, you know, consistency is key in that. And over time, you know, none of this is done overnight. You know, you can make the conscious choice to say, I'm going to start now on this stuff. But ultimately, these things are fostered over months and years and years of, of practice. So, Zach, I know that in y'all's community group at church or small group, you guys have done the Love Languages book, or I think you have. I know we have in our small group. So something that I think is special that you brought up here is tailoring the way that you show up to your spouse's needs. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a, a good way to facilitate that is Love Languages. Yeah. So why don't you talk for a minute on that of, you know, how to show up and meet those, those love languages and that kind of thing. All right. Um, so your spouse is going to accept love. There's a little bit of thunder there. Uh, ASMR. Your spouse is going to accept love in a certain way and expect that. And so you should be studying your spouse to, uh, figure out what exactly that is, whether it's one of the love languages or multiple, uh, just tailoring the way that you love to how your spouse needs to feel love. Uh, that's, really yeah, that's huge. Just like, can you say that again real quick? Yeah. So just, uh, figuring out and studying your spouse to determine how they feel loved is more important than trying to love them how you would feel loved. Uh, Boom. Because. Sorry, you, I just wanted to, I wanted you to say that again, because that okay. was really, really huge. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to show love how you accept love, they may get it, but they're not going to get it to the full extent of how, if you study them and know how they accept love, how they're going to accept that. So mm -hmm. that can make a big difference because you could think, Oh, I'm doing the best I can, but they're not feeling it at all. You know, right. maybe you need to buy them a gift or write them a note or spend mm -hmm. more time with them. Uh, don't take that extra side job this week or this month and uh, just spend time with them and foster that uh, growth and just time together or right. Uh, whatever the case may be in your situation. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And so like, for example, we found out and, you know, Casey and I had taken the five love languages test back in high school and stuff like that. And, you know, ultimately you're, you know, like I said in the intro podcast, for those of you that, miss it or don't know Casey and I started dating uh the summer before our junior year of high school and I was 
I was, I had just turned 17 and she was 15 turning 16. So like, even when we were 18 and 17 and we took the love languages test, like there's a lot of maturing and a lot of life change that happens between that age and the age that we're at now. Um, so this was just like a really good refresh, but for example, like my love language, it, like my top two were acts of service and physical touch. Whereas Casey's were quality time. And I think, no, mine, mine was acts of service and words of affirmation and hers were quality time and physical touch. So that's a big thing of like, I, because what makes me feel loved is words of affirmation because I want to hear, Hey babe, like you're really killing it right now. Like I'm so proud of you for showing up in these areas. Like, you know, I, you're working so hard. I see that. I'm so proud of you. Or, oh man, that, you know, brisket that you made this weekend was fantastic. You know, just things like that, whether it's emotional words of affirmation of witnessing to my heart and saying how much she loves me and cares about me or, you know, things in life that I'm doing and also uh, acts of service. To me, part of my love language is seeing something that needs to be done and just taking initiative and doing it like that speaks to my love language because that's taking a burden off of me and now creating a situation in where in which I don't have to do that anymore because you served me in that way. And so because that makes me feel so loved, I spent so much time trying to love Casey in those ways. And would get so frustrated, like, man, I'm, you know, I'm doing all this stuff for you. You know, I'm hyping you up constantly telling you how proud I am of you for, you know, hitting a PR at the gym or, you know, oh man, you're doing so good at work, you know, all of those things. And, you know, she would appreciate that, but then it would just kind of fall to the wayside. And like, that was so frustrating to me because I'm like, man, I feel so loved when people do things like when people are speaking my love language and that makes me feel so important and you're just brushing it off. Like it's no big deal. And it wasn't until we started studying the five love languages by Gary Chapman in our small group at church that I realized that, you know, Gary Chapman basically says, quit trying to show love to your spouse via your own love language and start showing up in a way that speaks to their love language. And when I made that pivot, I noticed so many differences in the way that Casey and I interacted. And that because I was showing up and witnessing to her and her love languages, it empowered her by feeling more loved because I was speaking to her love languages that then she was showing up better for mine. And so I think, like what you said there, Zach, of making sure that we're showing up for our spouse's love language and witnessing to them in that and not trying to witness to them and love them through our own love languages. Um, I think that's that's really important as far as showing up in your marriage and and uh, 
doing that. So yeah, that's good. Zach, why, yeah. Um, why don't you touch on for a second? Um, I want to kind of unpack a few things from, from the book five love languages. But before we do that, would you spend a minute touching on, you know, showing up in a marriage and being present physically and emotionally and spiritually and kind of some practical ways of, of how to go about that in a marriage? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as he said, uh, there's pretty much three ways to be present and that's physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Uh, so if you're not there physically, it's really difficult to be there in the other two. Um, you can right. in certain seasons of your life, you'll have to use technology like FaceTime or a phone call or text to be there for them in those other ways when you can't be there physically. But just uh, if that is kind of the season of life you're in, once you can get out of that or even for a little while, take a break from that and be there physically, I think that'll help a lot in just uh, how your spouse would feel that you're showing up uh, because you can be there physically and just be zoned out and not present in any other way. So uh, just taking intentional time to be there physically and that can go for your spouse or your kids or um, your family in general. Uh, you can be there in person but not be there in any other way and just zoned out but right um yeah so i guess that kind of hits physically you got to not only be there in person but also awake uh, and then emotionally right. like uh sophie talked about last week emotional mm -hmm. um women are very emotional and that's how they process things and in general and uh so showing up for your wife emotionally is really important too to hit that um that basic need of theirs and to not just be there physically and spiritually but once you're there emotionally too you give your spouse or your wife time to open up to you and uh, you can just enjoy time together in that way uh, and then spiritually um, you know, the basis of this podcast is biblical masculinity. And so spiritually, we're talking about being the leader in the home and uh, showing mm -hmm. up at church and doing those things that you know you need to do in a discipline, like your personal disciplines, but also taking that time to pray with your wife daily, if that's yeah. possible, like if you're on completely different sleep cycles and that's that can be difficult but at least uh if you can be there spiritually with them pray for them pray with them uh pray together and really uh meet that spiritual need as well and yeah being able to hit all three at the same time or at least in close proximity to each other is going to be very helpful for um, just how you show up yeah, absolutely. Um, I think something I'll there there's a couple points from this book. Again, this the book I'm referring to here is 
the five love language, the secret to love that lasts by Gary Chapman. And I'm sure most of you have heard of it. It's a pretty common book. And, um, that brings me to a little sidebar here. Zach and I are currently working on a website. And once we get that website up, we'll have a tab or a column for lack of better words, where we put all the books that we talk about on the podcast or book recommendations and stuff like that up there. So, um, be looking forward to that, but getting back to what we were talking about and, uh, this kind of popped in my head here, Zach, of what you were talking about of consistency and commitment. Mm-hmm. I think something that is so important in showing up in your marriage, and I think a lot of this is oftentimes overlooked because we are thinking about um, the physical part and the spiritual part, but maybe not always the emotional part. And I think this is something that directly ties to emotion is forgiveness. And Gary Chapman says in this book, quote, forgiveness is not a feeling. It is a commitment. And I think that's so huge because a lot of times we tie forgiveness to an emotion and a point in time or something that was said or digging up old bones or things that have happened in the past or whatever is like forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a commitment. It's waking up every day and saying, I commit to forgiving you for where you've done me wrong or what you've said. And like, you have to stay committed to that forgiveness because there's a lot of instances in my life where I've been hurt by people or things that have happened in Casey and I's relationship. Like you don't go through a relationship of seven years and then leading up to marriage without some pretty big bumps in the road. Like Casey and I have gone through some incredibly difficult things in our relationship and even up to, you know, weeks before our wedding of really big things happening. And there's been a a lot of forgiveness that we've had to extend each other as well as forgiveness that I've had to extend others in my life. And I'm going to quote my mom on this and I don't know where she heard it. So maybe I'll have to ask her or if it was just profound Claire thoughts, but I'm going to give her the credit on this one is that my mom is, and I've heard her say it multiple times um, in her journey with my parents' marriage. And that's something I'd like to have them on to talk about uh, at some point or another. But my mom said that forgiveness is as much about the other person as it is for you. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's so profound is we have to, God calls us to extend forgiveness and grace to others. But that forgiveness also goes a long way in our heart of committing each day to forgiving that person and putting our pride and our ego aside and showing up and saying, Hey, how can I serve you today? Um, so I think that's really big in showing up. Um, yeah, Nick Floyd talked a lot about, uh, forgiveness a few weeks ago at church. Yeah. Did the, um, sermon series on relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was basically where he started and, uh, talked a lot about his journey of forgiveness and how difficult it's been. And, just how he has yeah. to continually forgive. He doesn't just decide one day, okay, they're forgiven, but 
right uh, has to continually like daily forgive a list of people and i think we should all kind of take a take a hint from that and not keep a list of people who've done us wrong but a list of people that we need to constantly forgive so that it right one can release us of that bitterness that can grow with Mm -hmm. unforgiveness and also um, just show Christ's love because we've done nothing to deserve his forgiveness. So exactly. And I think that's, that's big too, of like going back to, you know, what my mom says about forgiveness of is, you know, it's as much about you as it is the other person Mm -hmm. and not in a selfish way or like a, Oh, I'm such a good person because I forgave them. But like a, if you're letting that bitterness from whatever situation that is overflow into every other aspect of your life, then that's a problem, you know? And so if you're letting the bitterness from whether that's something that someone else has done to you show up in your marriage and manifest itself in your marriage, or you're letting bitterness from something that's gone on in your marriage continue to show up in your marriage, you're never going to be able to move forward. And that's what goes back to that commitment aspect of it, of continually committing on a daily basis to forgive that person. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think moving on from that, something that I, I want to touch on real quick is how we're showing up is in a marriage is, in showing up, how are we expressing our desires um, in that marriage? And I think, especially as men, we, and, you know, as good intentioned as it is, typically, I think a lot of times as men, and I know certainly for myself, my, the desires that I have for our marriage and for emotional and spiritual and physical intimacy in marriage are often expressed as demands, even though I don't intend for them to come across that way. It often I'm sure feels that way from the opposite side of things. And so I think it's important when we show up in, in marriage and I'm going to pull another quote from uh, the five love languages here is that the way that we express our desires is so important. Quote, if they come across as demands, we have erased the possibility of intimacy and will drive our spouse away. Then he goes on to say, we cannot get emotional love by way of demand. My spouse may in fact comply with my demands, but it is not an expression of love. It is an act of fear or guilt or some other emotion, but not love. Thus, a request creates a possibility for an expression of love, whereas a demand suffocates that possibility. So I think it's really important to identify that in our own lives, but also identify that in the way that we're showing up in our marriages of are we fostering an environment in which our wives feel like we're demanding their love or are we showing up in our marriages in a way that creates and fosters intimacy in every way in our marriage? Um, So I just think that's, that's so important. I think uh, John Eldridge also touches on that, like uh, allowing space for love, not Mm -hmm. demanding it. Uh, 
and that can go both ways uh, with, well, that can go multiple ways, whether that's uh, allowing a um, possibility for God to love us and to father us Mm -hmm. or for us to love ourselves, not demanding too much of ourselves, you know, always pursuing greatness, like not Mm -hmm. for uh, selfish gain, but just to be the best that we can do, like do the best that we can do and be the best that we can be as men, but uh, not suffocating the self-love that we need. Because uh, if we're not right. getting love from ourselves, it's going to be really difficult for us to pour out love to others. Absolutely. I think one more thing that I want to talk about here before we move on. Um, and we kind of touched on this at our guys group this week. But I think one of the biggest things that's overlooked in in marriage especially and is the fact that ultimately – loving our spouse is a choice. We have a choice every day to wake up and give our spouse the best of ourselves, the worst of ourselves, or simply just what we have left in the tank. And I think, not I think, I know that that's something that I really struggle with because I love to love others. That's the way I you know, genuinely believe that my spiritual gift is loving other people. And whether that's having the small group over and cooking a brisket and hanging out and playing cornhole, or whether that's doing a woodworking project for somebody, whether that's helping someone mow their lawn, washing their car for them, um, spending quality time with those people, like, that is what I enjoy doing for other people. But I've had to learn to be very careful about that because a lot of times what that lends itself to is me giving 90% of myself to everyone else and only showing up with the 10% of myself for Casey. And so that's part of that choice is giving ultimately giving God a hundred percent of our effort, which then outflows into our spouse, which then outflows into other people. So I think that choice of loving your spouse first and then other people is very important so that we're showing up in the way that we need to in our marriages. But um, the flip side of that too is like, we were kind of talking about the term, you know, soulmates and that, you know, there's somebody out there in the world that we could love and be married to a hundred percent. Like I genuinely believe that. So it is a choice of saying, this is my person. This is who I want to do life with. Now I genuinely believe that God put Casey in my life to be married to hundred percent. But that doesn't mean that there's not someone else out there in the world that I could be married to and make it work with, right? Mm-hmm. That's not who God would want me to be with. But that's the reality of 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 life is that like there's other people out there we could be compatible with. So Gary Chapman says in the book, our most basic emotional need is not to fall in love, but to be genuinely loved by another. To know that love grows out of reason and choice, not instinct. 
And I think that kind of backs up that whole term of, oh, soulmates kind of thing of like, no, love grows out of reason and choice. I choose to be with you. I choose to do life with you. I choose to love you and love no one else, regardless of whether there's someone else out there. I choose to love you on a daily basis. And that's what that's about is there are instinctual things that come out of us being a man and a woman and being married. But ultimately, love grows out of reason and choice of of reasoning with one another, compromising, showing up and just downright choosing to be with one another on a daily basis. So I think that's really important. But mm-hmm. yeah, good stuff. All right. So moving on from that, and this is a a theme in the book that we just finished up at our group, uh, Becoming a King, is we wanted to talk with you guys a little bit, and we might have to do a part two on this and really dive deep into it, but how our hobbies and interests can help us show up better in our marriages. So Zach, I'll let you kind of lead us into that and kind of share some of your thoughts on some of the things that you enjoy doing and, you know, how that helps you show up better for, uh, your family. So, yeah. All right. So, uh, one of the things I enjoy doing to kind of like reset is to go fishing, whether that's fly fishing or, uh, just regular fishing, um, even for a couple hours after work. Um, that helps me yeah. to just kind of like reset, let go of a bad day, or if it was a good day, just finish out a good day even better. Oh, um, uh, yeah. And yeah. Then, yeah, just not bringing any bad attitudes home or, you know, just decompressing and uh, relaxing so that I don't come home charged, charged up and ready to fight or anything like that. Uh-huh. Obviously not physically. We all do but, it. Yeah. You know, if I have a really bad day and I come home and I haven't had a time to relax and decompress and I spent two hours driving home and just got phone call Brooding. after phone call and uh, couldn't get any time to think to myself and uh, just calm down a little bit before I walk in the door. Yeah. It's it's debatable if we're going to have a good evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, you're you're exactly right. But yeah, that's a way that a hobby or an interest can help you show up better. So I can come in the door and be ready to show up and not be like, all right, I need like an hour to myself to just calm down. Yeah. So stay out of my way or something like right. that. But uh, whether it's fishing or working out or whatever the case may be, I know a lot of people work out before work to try to just... Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of make an achievement before the day starts but you could do it on right. the way home too and you could decompress from that i know uh, exercise can be really relaxing to some people i'm not one yeah. of those people uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah uh, so that's that's one way that uh that can help your marriage and help you show up better yeah, absolutely. Um, I think finding things and, you know, Sophie and I briefly touched on this last week of, I think it's good to, you know, personally for me, I do CrossFit 
I do that as more of a stress relief. And number one, it just, it pushes me physically. And I've noticed, you know, I've been in and out of the gym doing, you know, just a a weightlifting regimen for, you know, years, but it was super hard for me to establish any amount of consistency with that because I got so bored with it. And so by me doing CrossFit, that was something that, um, gave a certain amount of accountability because you're in a class with generally speaking, and it varies gym to gym, but generally speaking, a class of anywhere between six and 12 people. And if you go to the same class every day at the same time, you get to know those people. And so there's that amount of accountability there of, you know, I know that if I miss a class, because I usually go to the six o'clock class at about five after seven, I'm going to get a text from somebody going, Hey bro, where were you? You know, or, Oh Mm -hmm. man, you missed a tough one this morning, you little baby, you know? So like, that's more of like a stress relief, but getting back to what I was saying of trying to find hobbies that encourage, uh, some amount of stoicism for me, that's archery. Um, I know you've been really getting into, uh, fishing and fly fishing and stuff like that. And that's, you know, a perfect, um, way to encourage stoicism of just finding something that kind of gets you away from other people and allows you to, you know, especially with archery, that's something that I've been really trying to do a lot of lately is there's so many fundamentals of your form and your release and your draw cycle. And I mean, there's just so many things that go into archery that if you're not a hundred percent focused on that, you're not going to be an effective archer. Mm -hmm. And so by doing that, it allows me to, and you know, my current profession, I'm in sales. And so I'm literally driving around all day, every day, trying to solve other people's problems or convince someone that they need a product that they don't think they need or trying to beat a competitor's price. Like that's an extremely stressful job to do on a daily basis. Um, You know, I know a lot of people that are in law enforcement that really enjoy archery because again, you're literally volunteering to deal with other people's problems in law enforcement. And a lot of times it's very visceral, like very, you know, a lot of, child abuse or domestic abuse or things like that, where, you know, you're literally, if you weren't a law enforcement officer would be at your wits end with that situation, but you have to keep your cool. You have to keep a level head. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of officers in the last couple months and, you know, it's hard for them to, you know, they go to the same house over and over and over and over again and CPS gets called and then nothing ever happens. And, you know, like they, they have repeat offenders of all these things and, you know, they're the same one showing up for the same case every time and nothing ever happens. So like Mm -hmm. career wise, there's certain, you know, the medical career, that's very stressful. So having these hobbies that, get you away from other people. It's quiet. It's a very methodical, you know, relieving type hobby 
is really good to help you decompress so that when you come back home and come back to the wife, you have your full self to give back into that marriage. Um, and then, and I'll, I'll let you expand on this cause I think it's really profound, but, uh, you mentioned pursuing something in excellence pushes you to pursue excellence in other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you kind of expand on that a little bit? Cause I think that's really, really crucial. Yeah. So whenever, you know, say you're practicing archery and you're finally getting the, all the arrows to go right where you want them, hopefully mm-hmm. not shooting your arrows and, you know, Robin hooding your arrows. Cause that's a waste of arrows in my opinion. Uh, yeah. It gets expensive you know, fast. Do it, do it once, hang it on the wall, be done with that. <laughs> yeah. find a different yeah. spot to shoot at. But, uh, yeah. once you start seeing how your time and your effort and your energy being put into this hobby, whether it's archery, fishing, you know, whatever rock climbing, any of those kinds of things, um, mm-hmm. or anything you like to do. Once you start seeing that, uh, like once you start gaining excellence in that, that's going to push you and to think, well, how can I do better in this area or this other mm-hmm. area? And so once you start in something that you really enjoy, uh, it can kind of open the door to do it in things that are going to be more difficult. Like in your marriage, you're not going to spend 10 hours a week and just blow it out of the water. And if you spent an extra 10 hours a week on that, you would mm-hmm. see dr- dramatic changes, dramatic changes, Dr- drastic <laughs> and dramatic changes quickly. Yeah, there you go. You just I invented combined, a new yeah, word. I Yeah, we're going to have to add that to the Codger Dictionary. Um, yeah, the Codger Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Love it. Yeah. So you'll see major changes if you do that, just like if I were to spend 10 more hours a week fishing or Logan spent 10 more hours a week shooting his bow. Um, I wish. Yeah. Same here. But uh, yeah. So just pursuing excellence in one thing is going to encourage you to do it in other things as well. And Mm -hmm. once you start seeing those gains in other areas, you're going to be like, Oh, I can just, I can do this almost anywhere. Like, right. You can do it anywhere you want really. So, Yeah, I think, you know, to put it in, you know, business terms or uh, something like that is ROI, like return Mm -hmm. on investment, is I view hunting, archery, fishing, doing CrossFit, woodworking, any of the hobbies and interests that I have as a return on investment. And what's my ROI on those hobbies Number one, with hunting, I get to stock a freezer full of delicious organic natural meat. Uh, so that's a pretty good ROI. But what's my ROI on hunting and archery? The fact that I'm sitting by myself generally in the peace and quiet of nature. I have nowhere to go to escape my thoughts. All of the everything that I'm struggling with in my marriage or myself, or my inner demons, I have nowhere to run from that. When I'm hunting and I'm sitting in a tree stand, it's me, nature, and God. That's Mm -hmm. it. So what's my ROI? When I come home, I'm refreshed, 
And instead of bringing all the crap from my workday back into my marriage, I've left all that crap in the tree stand because I've had, you know, say I'm, I go on an afternoon hunt, you know, on the weekend or something. And I, you know, get in the stand by one thirty, and, you know, after, you know, the time change and everything, you know, say you're out of the stand when it's dark by five thirty, five forty five, whatever. I've spent four and a half, five hours in a tree stand by myself with my thoughts. And I've had the time to address all those things so that when I come home and Casey knows this and she encourages me to, to hunt and, and have that time because she knows that it's important to me, I can come home and go, now is, now it's my turn to show up. And I, I have a clear head. I have a clear thoughts and a clear conscience because I've had that time to decompress and, um, show up and you know ultimately too like part of being an effective man and showing up in a marriage is like people are meant to have hobbies like if you don't have hobbies and you're a guy send us an email because i want to talk to you about that because like that's not good like you need to have Mm -hmm. outlets because if not you're just gonna sit there and dig a deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper hole because you have no way to address your feelings or your thoughts or again, like Zach made a point on of personal excellence. How are, how do you expect to have personal excellence in your life? If you're not pursuing something that challenges you, like for some, a lot of people that's golf. Golf is a fantastic way to achieve personal excellence because it is not an easy uh, sport to play. Like mm-hmm. every time I go play golf, I'm humbled by realizing how bad I am at golf. So to get good at golf or to get good at archery or to, uh, be a good fly fisherman of knowing exactly what, uh, flies to throw and roll casting and just all the different aspects of that, like that it's crucial to being a, a good man and showing up in your marriage is to be um, excellent in areas of your life. So yeah. I feel like we've beat that up pretty good. Um, before we move on from that, I just wanted to say yeah. that, uh, lack of hobbies or lack of, you know, getting out and away from work and away from the city. Mm-hmm. I feel like so many men are domesticated now and they're stuck yeah. in the city, you know, whether that's for work or whatever the reason may be like, find a way to get out of the city, even if it's just uh-huh. right out of the city, like go on a hike in a national forest or something like that. Uh, yeah. This could be part of the reason there's so many like mental health issues going on right now. Oh, a hundred percent in the world because everybody's just, they get up, they get their coffee, they go to work and you know, work may be challenging for you, but you've got to do that to make money. Um, yeah. So if you're not having a hobby that you don't necessarily need to get anything monetarily out of, you don't really have anything to decompress with. You're just, you're either stuck Mm -hmm. in the office or in your home office, especially if you're stuck at home all the time, working from home, find a way to get out, like just get out. And this is kind of a sidebar here, but it brings up a good point. Like right now 
coming out of all the COVID stuff and all the quarantine stuff and all of that, we're seeing a lot of the effects of what I told people from the get-go and what other extremely wise and smart people have told people from the get-go that this whole two weeks to flatten the curve that turned into two years, people, psychologists, and, and everyone said, do not do this because the, yeah, you're, you know, keeping people inside to try to, you know, slow the spread of COVID, which again, we found that wasn't true or helpful either, but like the mental and emotional and societal effects that this is going to have on people coming out of this, it's a, it's diminishing returns at that point. Mm Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing that. I mean, you look at the amount of violence and turmoil and just really crappy mental health that's going on right now is because people were locked inside for two years. Yeah. And told that you can't go outside. And, you know, if you go outside, you're going to die. Uh, yeah, that's going to have a lot of it's going to create a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. So. I, and I say that to say too, and to tack on a point to that, encourage other men in your life to have hobbies and to get out and to not, you know, gaming's a hobby. I'm in full recognition of that. It's not my thing. I don't, I don't enjoy it. You know, every now and then I like sitting down with the bros and playing a little, you know, Modern Warfare 2, a little throwback, you know, and cutting up and having fun. But like gaming is a hobby and I, and I sit here and recognize that, but find something too that gets you outside and gets you um, some fresh air and you're not looking at a screen. You're not talking with people halfway across the world that you don't know on Xbox live, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so anyways, I'll, I'll rein it back in here, but I think, um, you know, all of this helps you learn new perspectives and how to handle other perspectives and which then in turn helps you handle your wife's perspectives and her differing opinions or views, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and problem solving. Like a lot of, uh, manly hobbies have a large element of problem solving. Yeah. So like um, with your CrossFit hobby, um, and pursuits, you know, you're meeting yeah. with what you said, six to 12 other people at least weekly, right? Yeah, Almost. three times a okay. week. So, well, sometimes five, to, it just depends, yeah. but yeah. So you're learning additional perspectives and, you know, not everybody in that room is going to believe yeah. what you believe. Like they enjoy CrossFit, but 100%. they're going to have their own worldview and um, all sorts of yeah. different perspectives like that. So, you know, just spending time with other people, if that's how your hobby works out, then that's great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I meet random strangers whenever I go fishing and we generally talk like catch anything. Obviously, it's surface level conversation, but I yeah. if I had the opportunity or they weren't walking out of the river while I'm walking in. You know, we'd probably talk a little bit more, but right. Uh, you know, you, you're just going to learn additional perspectives and uh, then you can bring that home and recognize that your wife is going to have a different perspective on issues than you do and not to just beat a dead horse, but 
in the podcast last week with Sophie, she mentioned that too. Like you have to mm-hmm. recognize your wife's perspective and yeah. know that it's going to be different than yours because it's going to be more from the emotional side than the, uh, you know, tactile side. Um, mm-hmm. so. And it's like she said too, like women flourish when they are protected and provided for. Mm-hmm. And so the way that Zach and I both view hobbies is that if whatever you can do to show up to protect and provide better in your marriage, you need to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about briefly. Um, and I think you should have separate hobbies from your spouse, but there's also uh, an appropriate time for shared hobbies. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how does having shared hobbies um, help you show up better in your marriage? Well, I know uh, Casey goes to CrossFit with you on occasions, and mm-hmm. so y'all can challenge. Every, well, usually every time I go, but... <laughs> okay, I mean, I just didn't know. But uh, yeah, y'all can challenge each other to work harder, do better at it, and you can also, you know, encourage each other when it's not a great day like say you don't you don't want to get up in the morning but casey's ready to go and uh she's like all right get out of bed logan come on let's go (laughs) yeah and uh so yeah you can just kind of push each other with that and uh pursue excellence in that together and yeah uh, you know if you choose something that's entertaining uh and you commit to it like y'all have and you know one of the hobbies that Haley and I have committed to is raising chickens. It's not my, not my favorite thing to do. I'd rather just be in the garden pulling up crops, but, uh, yeah, you know, we, we decided to do it together and commit to that. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's fun. And, you know, once, once we start seeing a payout from that and free food, that's going to be great. But, um, just the committing to something that is very, uh, low risk like that, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's doing CrossFit together, you know, going hunting together, fishing, you know, raising chickens or whatever the case may be, that's kind of a disarming low risk kind of a commitment that you two can make. Right. And that can help you too to, you know, make a commitment to get out of debt, which mm-hmm. is a very high risk you know, in general, most couples do not enjoy talking about that. And, right. you know, it's going to be very difficult to have those conversations about getting out of debt or um, maybe moving to somewhere that they've never been before and kind of the risk that that takes on. So, yeah, it can just help the two of you get uh, get aligned in a very disarmed manner and mm-hmm. that can help you whenever you know pride is high or uh shields are up or weapons are out and you have to commit yeah. to things that aren't fun at all um you can just kind of go back and forth and be like well you know we have this fun thing that we commit to and then now we're going to use what we've learned in that to work together to commit to something else that's not as easy absolutely yeah, 100%. And I think uh, the trap that I used to always fall into was 
you know, especially having known Casey as long as I have and uh, everything is I used to try to bring her along, you know, in my hobbies, take her hunting or whatever. And, you know, oh, you know, hey, come hunting with me because like this is something that I'm really passionate about and I want you to see me like I want you to participate and like I want to show you why I'm so passionate about it and this side or the other. And then you fall in the trap of, oh my gosh, we have no shared hobbies because you don't want to do what I want to do mm-hmm. and I don't want to do what you want to do and neither, you know, it's okay, guys, like if you really like to hunt, it's okay if your wife has no interest in that mm-hmm. whatsoever. But at the end of the Casey has no interest whatsoever in doing it. Her sister has a huge interest in hunting. Um, Casey and I's brother-in-law loves uh, hunting. He's a big archery guy. Um, I've actually learned a lot of archery stuff from him. Mm-hmm. But Casey's sister and her husband, they like to go hunt together. And that's great. But Casey doesn't enjoy hunting. But she still, at the end of the day, can go, I see why you like to hunt. And I sure as heck like when you bring home backstrap and we get to have delicious uh, deer steaks and spaghetti and chili and jerky and you name it like Mm -hmm. she loves the spoils of it but she just doesn't have any interest in doing that yeah but encourages me to do it because it's something that i'm passionate about and like you said zach uh some crossfit was something that was really pivotal in casey and i's relationship because casey used to be a uh, personal trainer Mm -hmm. so she's always you know, really stress the importance of exercise and I like exercising. I just could never really find something that I could commit to. And that like really pushed me mm-hmm. in a way that kept me coming back. And so that was like, I started it, um, a little over a year ago. Well, actually almost exactly a year ago. Cause I started in August of last year. And then I think she started back in, I don't remember. It was before or after Christmas, but regardless, she started several months after I did. And that's just been something that like we've watched each other grow and hit PRs and like ultimately working together towards a common goal of, man, that workout really, really sucked. And it was really hard, but Hey, we both, you know, but did you die? You know, at the Mm -hmm. end of that workout, regardless of how tired and worn out we are, we can go up to each other, give each other a hug and be like, Hey, good job. Like you freaking killed that. Mm -hmm. Or, Hey, you know, I know that you struggled a little bit more with that lift than you thought you would, but Hey, just keep at it and you'll get it next time, you know? And so, like you said, Zach, having those common goals to work towards in a comfortable and risk-free environment, quote unquote, Mm -hmm helps you become more comfortable showing up together in your marriage and tackling those more difficult conversations. So, and you know, if we could talk all day long about this stuff, mm-hmm. so we'll, uh, we'll move on from this. And, and if you guys want to hear um, more about the hobbies and things like that, and, and we will talk about this more because I'm going to, you know, we're going to have guests on that have, you know, hobbies that are kind of related to ours that are, you know, maybe experts in those certain areas and stuff. But yeah. Um, but uh, Zach, like you mentioned in 
earlier in the podcast uh, yesterday. No, today's Thursday already. Yeah. Um, Tuesday. On Tuesday, we asked the guys in our group for some uh, some feedback. So mm-hmm. I'll let you kind of take us into that and, and share with, with the folks what we talked about. Yeah. So we uh, we just asked them the question: What does it mean for you to show up in marriage? And uh, mm-hmm. I just took some quick notes. We didn't record them or anything, but so uh, these are going to be paraphrases of what they said. Um, yeah. And there's a little bit more information added to kind of make it make more sense. Emphasis mm-hmm. added for clarity. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, if you want to take take it away and yeah, your brother had um, some good points on this. Yeah, Evan kind of, he borrowed a quote from Becoming a King, um, Morgan Snyder's book. And he just said, you know, and I've heard him say this multiple times. So obviously it's something that he's trying to live by uh, and Mm -hmm. something that really stuck with him. But showing up means taking the lowest seat at the table and serving them at all costs. Mm -hmm. He said also in a sermon about Jesus, um, let's see. A sermon about Jesus washing the disciples' feet, uh, which is in John 13, chapter 13, verse 1 through 20, uh, is looking for opportunity to wash people's feet, specifically um, your spouse, and just really thinking of yourself less Mm -hmm. in those situations and finding those opportunities to you know, quote unquote, wash people's feet. And, you know, whether that's other people in your life, whether that's your spouse. Um, But I think I'd like to take a second here and read that passage real quick and and I'll make it quick. But um, so it's John chapter 13, uh, one through 20. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that uh, was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, uh, are you going to wash my feet? And for context, guys, basically, uh, Simon Peter in that moment was standing up and going, uh-uh, no, you are you are not washing my feet. I, I am the last person, like, there's no way I'm allowing you to wash my feet. Like, that's not happening. Um, And Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. And like I said, in verse eight, Peter says, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. To which Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, 
though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And um, Jesus goes on, when he had finished washing their feet, put his clothes on and turned to his place and said, Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think that that's so crucial to kind of give some context of, you know, Peter had an immediate rejection. He said, uh-uh, I'm not letting my Savior and my um, mentor and my, you know, the son of God wash my feet. There's no way. And Jesus is saying, hold on, like, think about what I'm doing for you is that I'm leaving an example for what you should do for others. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to kind of sum that up, I think Evan really hit the nail on the head with that of instead of looking for opportunities of how um, my wife can serve me or, you know, in quote, wash my feet, taking the lowest seat at the table, even though I am the head of the household and looking for opportunities to um, wash her feet. So, Mm -hmm. and, you know, different seasons in life are going to warrant different answers to this question. So just for context, uh, Evan's wife, Carly is going to have a baby in a little over a month. And so that's kind of uh, painted Evan's last almost year now of just uh, trying to serve her as best as he, as best that he can while also working his tail off to provide uh, because, right you know Carly's getting really close to having a baby so there's some things that she can't do that Evan has yeah. to do on top of providing and working at least eight hours a day I know he generally works more than that um Right. So yeah. As soon as he comes home, you know, he's beat up from work in a construction job. So it's not not like he's just sat at a computer all day. So he's right. he's ready to sit down and get off his feet. But uh, instead, he takes the initiative to complete tasks that otherwise I know Carly would definitely do if she could. But right. Yeah, that's just kind of a glimpse into kind of why Evan's answer was like this, um, especially at this time. So we can probably come back and ask him in a couple years and it'll be completely different. Um, Mm -hmm. At least the reason would be because he will be serving a kid and a wife. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how that comes full circle. But uh, yeah. And I think too, just the fact that, you know, Evan was able to call upon that um, scenario of, of you know, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know that was a long share of verses there, but I, I just think that's so important to kind of provide context as to how we sh- as men should be serving our spouses and, mm-hmm. and really everyone in general. So, yeah. And then uh, our friend Isaac had a good perspective on this as well. Um, he said, loving 
showing up in marriage is loving when it's not deserved because that's how Jesus loved. Um, yeah. Not because we feel like it, but because we're called to it. We don't deserve or do anything to warrant God's love, yet it is freely given to us. So we should freely give love to our spouse. So, yeah, that was really profound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. Um, and he gave like just a really practical example of how, you know, when he and his wife are, you know, having a heated discussion or there's, you know, conflict of being able to have the wherewithal and the recognition of that to be able to step aside in that scenario. And he said a practical way for him to kind of try to recenter and be able to show Christ-like love to his spouse is taking a step aside. And no matter how much you don't want to, or no matter how hard it is, is reminding yourself of all the things that you're thankful for about your spouse mm -hmm. and the things that they do for you and why you love them and why you're thankful for them. And then, you know, it's when you really start thinking about that, it's pretty hard to want to be angry with your spouse or not show up and give your spouse your best self when you've spent 10 to 15 minutes or even five minutes literally reminding yourself of every reason why you love that person. And, you know, I could sit for hours and list off things that I'm proud of Casey for, or love her for, or thankful for. And, you know, if you're being honest with yourself, it's really hard to look that person in the eyes and be angry with them or not extend forgiveness when you recenter in that way. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought that was really profound. Yeah, so that was good stuff. Yeah. And then, um, Nathan said, and I think this kind of ties into what Evan said, even though they're not quite in the same season of life, but, mm -hmm. um, Nathan said that showing up in your marriage means showing love when you're exhausted from a long day of work and serving and focusing on doing more for her. And, you know, most of the, I don't honestly, there's not a single guy in our group that has a normal desk job. Um, I mean, Bryce works remote, but in his line of work, he's gone almost every weekend at shows standing on his feet all day long. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the break that he gets during the week to sit behind the computer is, is well-earned for sure. Um, but like Nathan is in sales. So he's out and about, you know, in and out of the truck all day. I'm in sales all day, you know, delivering materials or making calls or going on job sites and doing takeoffs on stuff. You know, you're in your line of work. You're constantly out in the heat and the dirt and mud all day. Evan's, you know, doing demos or, or supervising projects, you know, chances, a a uh, pastor. So he's doing hands-on work all day long. Um, you know, Isaac works for a roofing company, so he's climbing around all over roofs all day um, in the heat. So we all have pretty taxing jobs. Mm -hmm. And so it's very easy for us to want to come home from a long day and, and sit down and crack open a cold one and, and veg out. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but that's not what we're called to do. We're called to to show up and, and give our best to our spouses. And, you know, they've had long days too. And yep. to show up and, you know, like in, in Haley's instance, you know, she's a teacher. So she's literally giving herself to a bunch of kids all day long. Oh. And so she's, I can guarantee you has an extremely stressful day every day. So she needs you to come home and, and comfort her and be there for her. And, um, you know, all of our spouses work in very demanding roles. And so just as we do, mm-hmm. and we want them to show up for us, it's more important that we sacrifice for them. Yep. So anyways, guys, um, I think this has been a really a good opportunity to kind of talk about this stuff and um, you know, just given the nature of this podcast, this won't be the last time that we talk about this stuff. So Mm -hmm. this is um, really just a overview of bigger topics that we can focus more on and uh, come back to in the future when we've got, you know, more perspective or a different context. And uh, you know, we could do this podcast all over again with our wives and included and, uh, get their perspective too so yeah yeah and i think you know with like i said with the nature of this podcast we're going to talk about these topics more than once because we should never be in a place of complacency so ultimately we're going to learn and we're going to grow and and learn more things about um how to show up and and when we do we're we're going to talk about that and share that with you guys so that you know hopefully you guys can learn something So speaking of learning something, guys, if you learned something from this or, um, you know, like I always say, if if there's someone in your life that needs to hear this, please share the show with them that, you know, word of mouth right now is how we grow and and how we get this out to people who need to hear it. So uh, share this. Um, We're on all of the major podcasting platforms uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google, and am I missing any? I don't think so. Um, but find us where you get your podcast. Again, uh, follow us on Instagram at Young Codgers Podcast, all lowercase, no spaces. And guys, we really would love to hear some questions from you. So shoot them over to askcodgers at youngcodgers.com. And um, yeah, I think this has been a great conversation. A lot of good follow-ups from the conversation that Sophie and I had last week. So mm-hmm. thanks for uh, all your insight, Zach. And, and I think this is an awesome podcast. So Yeah, I agree. I enjoyed hearing your insights from this as well, Logan. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to cut you loose and uh we'll see you on the next one see ya